Hey, welcome to Eek. Eek! <laughs> the horror podcast where I, Elena, take my beautiful friend M <laughs> <laughs> through the wonderful, horrible world of horror movies. <laughs> disguise will be a bonus episode promise yeah it's gonna have aged badly yeah oh i mean don't they all <laughs> today but not jazz <laughs> yeah we are tackling one of my favorite movies today <laughs> 1975 oh, wait, that was the wrong one uh... yep there you go jaws is a little bit like psycho in that the score really adds. saved the film <gasps> dang yeah um and what I love about Jaws is it had an absolute nightmare production um, that the, the, this movie should not be as good as it is. I feel like that's even referenced in Bob's Burgers when yeah, they get the, the like, animatronic. The animatronic. The animatronic. The animatronic. Yeah. Animatronic. Jesus Christ. Animatronic. Animatronic. Why did I keep wanting to say animatronic? I don't know. M, I don't know. Animatronic shark. From the three D Yeah, yeah. And they talk about like how it was cursed and all mm-hmm. that shit. Yeah, no, like that's that episode's a great parody of of the movie and also the behind the scenes of the movie mm-hmm. because it was such a like nightmare to film that it literally should not be as good as it is. And yet <laughs> it is a staple not only of cinema but of pop culture it changed the way that a lot of people saw and thought about sharks even to this day oh for sure uh it introduced me to sharks and like yeah it it stirred my love of them it has to be referenced tell us about your love of sharks so i fucking love sharks (laughs) um i have two shark related tattoos on my body Probably more on the way. Yeah, definitely more on the way. I saw Jaws for the first time in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, it over the summer, no less. That's a great right? time. So um, I was what? How old are you then? Like nine. In fourth grade, yeah, yeah, like, like, like going into fifth grade. Yeah, you're yeah, like, you're like nine, nine going on ten. ten. Yeah, like I said, it was it was during the summer. Um, my neighborhood had a pool. And go figure, after I watched that movie, I would not go in the deep end of the pool. Shut up. Just in the deep end of the pool, even? I would not go into the deep end of the pool. And and Emily has seen, and M has seen this pool. They know it's not very deep. I have. That's the pool, too. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's that pool. It's like a six feet max. It's eight feet, yeah. But, like, barely. It's Yeah, it's eight feet. It's, It's a kind of a small pool it's not very elaborate or anything no and it's like mostly empty yeah and it's um as in like it's not even very busy yeah it's not even very busy like you can see everything going on in that pool yeah for months and months (laughs) and months i had nightmares about being in the pool and there and there being like sea creatures I mean, um, that's fair. And then the when scene, I would... The ocean is just monster soup. So. As we've learned from... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, 
But for, yeah, that entire summer, I would not go in the deep end of the pool at all. My feet had to be able to touch Touch the ground. Yeah, so I could, yeah. Yeah, so that, after that summer, there also happened to be, that was a summer where there was kind of like a blitz of shark attacks in real life. back in the day. Yeah, where um, I think like five people got bit that summer. It was like a kind of a big deal. It was a little bit scary. But I remember basically since I was a little kid, if I was scared of something, I would try and do a bunch of research on it to learn Mm. more. Yeah, yeah. tornadoes, thunderstorms. I've done that. Fucking scared of those as a kid. And, you know, to a point I still am. But, like, with a healthy amount of respect between knowing, like, what, when am I in danger versus when should I keep an eye on things versus, oh, we're totally good. So w- with sharks, I kind of did a similar thing where I just, like, would start watching documentaries and reading books and just learning a lot. That's so And funny. I just fell in love with them as animals, as apex predators. they're super fucking interesting. They're such interesting creatures. There's so much to learn about them. Yes. And so much that has been learned and so much still more to learn. So much more still to learn. And I just it's it's one of those where you kinda wanna have that healthy balance of mm-hmm. like you want to respect that they mm-hmm. are apex pre- predators that are very capable of killing you mm-hmm. but they don't want to. But they don't want that's not their MO. Yeah, that's not they're they're not mindless killing machines. They don't hunt humans. Right. Yeah, so Jaws is I, over the years I you know it, it got me into my love of sharks. I really, really came to, like... I hated the movie for a point because it had contributed mm. to such a negative perception yeah, of sharks. it's like a phobia of sharks for yeah. people, even. Yeah. for you, even. You for were me, in the water, yeah. and you were just terrified. And, and I, yeah. Imagine other people who aren't willing to do the research to, like, then gain that respect mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, and then... Um, but then I came to have a, a respect for the film itself because mm-hmm. as a film, mm-hmm. it does such a, an incredible job, you'll see, of capturing, like, human responses mm-hmm. to, like, um, emergency situations, cool. right? Like, um, like not that. even necessarily to, to, like, tragedy, but mm-hmm. to just, like, oh, fuck, there's, like, a disaster happening right now. And we need to react, respond right. accordingly, and sort of the like, the different personalities that can arise from that sort of situation. Obviously, you get some really great performances from the the ensemble cast, um, and then we get to enjoy some good old nineteen seventies animatronics. Yes. Um, oh my god. And uh, this, who directed this? Steven Spielberg. That's what I, I was like, was this a Spielberg? Yeah. This was Park. way pre Jurassic well, yeah, Park. Yeah. Jurassic so Park like that, this is one of his first films. Like, little baby and, Steven Spielberg. Um, this film. Baby Steve. That's what yeah, Baby Steve. <laughs> this man's almost eighty years old. We call is him Baby really? Steve. Yeah, he's old as fuck. It invented the concept of the summer blockbuster. No. Yes. Are you serious? I'm serious. When were they before? <laughs> they just they like weren't. Whenever they happened. They just weren't really. Like the idea of That's people so literally. When the, and the term blockbuster comes from the like the line of people wrapped around the block. 
to so be able to see. Yep. Oh mm -hmm. my god. Yep. So this. Oh, such a like easy fun fact yeah too, right it's, it's like, so good it's like right there yeah yeah mm -hmm. there's a there's a good trivia trivia question for you there, there kids so i've never seen the movie mm -hmm. but you know what i have seen countless and countless parodies so references. many parodies like th this yeah. one has so many parodies it's not even worth mentioning because it's like so everyone every single thing has yeah. referenced it at some point yeah what i have seen is jaws 3 Jaws, oh Jaws 3. I, I, let me tell you, I just watched that for the first time recently in 3D. Yes! <laughs> the 3D opening. Yeah, yeah. And let oh. me tell you, what a fucking experience. It's, oh my it was god. Fine. It's you fine. Know, like, whatever. Yeah, it's a third Jaws movie. It's a movie. third Jaws movie. Yeah. And so, in the way that Saw 3 is a third Saw movie. <laughs> All right. You ready to go watch Jaws? <gasps> Let's go watch Jaws. Let's watch Jaws! Get some popcorn, kids. Have some popcorn. Get your life vests on. Smooth transition. So did did you notice though that that music does sure sound like the dinosaur part in Fantasia? See, now that you mentioned, I'd never thought about it before, yeah. but now that you've mentioned it, I think that may have added to why it just has stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, it's, because it's a horrifying sequence. It's so, <laughs> it's so fucking scary. Summary. Um, Let's talk about of, speaking of diving right in. <laughs> <laughs> Sploosh. Sploosh! Attacked by a shark. Alright, let's do a, <laughs> like a five second summary. Ready, set, go. There's an island called Amity where Chief Martin Brody, played by Roy Scheider, is the chief of police. And uh, then there's, well, it starts off with a shark attack. Shark attack! But, we don't know it's a, well, we know it's a shark attack, but... <laughs> you know. Uh, a girl is attacked by something. We're not quite sure what. It could have been a boating accident. <laughs> So Chief Martin Brody, small town cop who's just, the whole movie is about him being in over his head, right? Doing his best. He's just he doing has. his best. We're coming up on July 4th weekend when all of the tourists are going to be flooding to Amity for them, you know, bringing those beautiful, beautiful, beautiful tourist dollars that the those town needs to survive the rest of the year. Beach bodies, baby. <laughs> That was <laughs> incredible. So Martin Brody finds the parts of the washed up body of the girl who was attacked. Oops. First rule of going to the beach, kids, don't go super early in the morning and don't go super late at night. They find the body of Chrissy Watkins, first victim, and they write on the death certificate, shark attack. So the mayor is like, hold the fuck up. 
there, it wasn't a shark attack. It couldn't have been a shark attack because if it's a shark attack, people are going to fucking panic and then they're not going to spend their money here. They're going to go to other beaches. They're going to go to other places. We cannot have shark attack panic on the 4th of July weekend. <laughs> they keep the beaches open and lo and behold, what should happen but another boy. Shark attack. <laughs> yeah. Another shark attack where a little boy named Alex Kintner is gobbled up. And RIP Tippy Tuppy Peppy, whatever that dog's name Tip, is. Tippet. Tippet. That I think Pippet. Pippet. I looked it up actually, and there were like three names. There were like Pippet and or Tippet and or Tippy. It was like <laughs> they're like no one really is sure what this guy's saying, but Pippet. Pippet. <laughs> yeah, like yep. just indistinguishable yelling. Yep. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. That black lab. Rip it was gorgeous. To that black lab. My favorite joke about Jaws is if you watch it in reverse, it's about a shark giving people their limbs back and <laughs> a dog, a guy getting uh, to Stop adopt that. a dog. Yeah. <laughs> that was like one of those really, really, really stupid jokes. It's really <laughs> stupid, but so I love stupid. it. Uh, yeah, this summary is not going to be five minutes. We're close, though. We're, we're nearly close. there. We're halfway we're, through. We're halfway through. So, um, there is now, there have now been two victims. Um, they, Brody really wants to close the beaches. Everyone's like, nah, man, we can't do this. We cannot close the beaches. What we're going to do instead is put out a bounty for the shark. For, I think it was $3,000. Sure. And so a bunch of out-of-towners show up. They have, they're overcrowding the boats. They're mm-hmm. chumming the water. They have dynamite. They have, like, little firecrackers they're throwing in the water. Um, they find a shark, but not the shark. And at that point in time, we meet Matt Hooper from the Oceanographic Institute, who Hooper, has been yeah. uh, brought in by Brody to help with the shark, basically, be like, all right, let's... Shark, shark expert. Shark expert to help track it down and get it out of the water. Brody and Hooper notice oh, that one of right. the fishermen has not come back. Yes. And so they go out and they find his empty boat mm-hmm. that has been... At night, no At less. night, no less. Don't do this, kids. And so they, they try and go looking, and turns out... Van Gardner's been killed, so that brings the kill count up to three. Hooper also pulls out a massive great white shark tooth from the wreck. Yeah. But drops it after he gets spooked by a fucking gnarly-ass head. I want to circle back to that later (laughs) on. We didn't, yeah, we got a cycle Mm -hmm. At this point, the mayor again refuses to close the beaches. And so 4th of July weekend, tourists are packed on the beach. But you can tell everyone's nervous. Everyone wants to get in the water. So nervous. No one wants to get in the water. The mayor actually has to go up to somebody and be like, like an old guy. Go. Yeah. One just, of his old guy friends and yeah. like drags him into the water. He's like, go fucking swim. Go fucking swim. And then you can just see as they're getting in the water, like, um, and then, so there's a couple of pranksters with uh, a fake right. yes, fin, yes, yes. Yeah. and everyone, there, there are patrol boats and a shark watch tower that, mm. you know, are good to have. In, always smart. Always smart. To, well, the shark watch tower is especially smart to have at any beach, but the boats with people, with cops, with guns, <laughs> probably not as good. Those kids are very lucky they didn't get fucking shot. <laughs> really amazing <laughs> um and so while all this is going on the actual shark swims into i think they call it the pond yeah the pond. it's um part of the ocean it's like a little lagoon off 
Just like an in the ocean sort of yeah. situation, yeah. Where one of Brody's kids is on a boat oh, with some cold. friends, um, and uh, there's another man on a rowboat, inexplicably, who just comes over and is like, hey, you guys okay over here? And it's like, <laughs> they're fine. They're fine. What are you doing here? Um, maybe he saw the panic. Maybe he now. saw the panic and just... Whoosh, whoosh, yeah, whoosh, like shimmied right over. Yeah, shimmy <laughs> <laughs> As one does in a rowboat. <laughs> So the shark attacks that guy, gobbles him up, and then also attacks the boat that Michael is on, but Michael mm. survives. Michael and the rest of the other kids survive, but he's in shock. Mm-hmm. Later on at the hospital, Brody's like, sign this piece of paper so I can hire shark- local shark hunter Quint. And then and the mayor, you can see, is just totally shaken up and just having yeah. the worst fucking time and being like... My kids were on that beach too, and it's like, yeah, dude, everybody's fucking kids were on that beach. Yeah, literally, fucking all idiots signed the goddamn thing. So they hire <laughs> a man who can only be <laughs> described as like looking like he smells like sea and uh, sea salt and sweat. And maybe some, like, gross tobacco. And some pretty gross tobacco. Like, the caramely kind yeah. that's, like, almost sweet-smelling. Yeah. Just, like, heavy. Yeah, yeah, sticky. yeah. Like, like the kind of chaw that, like, chaw. leaves. Like, it, like chew. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> Salty in every way. Salty in every way. <laughs> Captain Ahab wannabe. Captain Quint, who, for $10,000... Agrees to catch by quite a lot. Agrees to catch and kill the shark. Hooper, Quint, and Brody head out to sea to track down the shark and kill it. Um, The bonding begins. The bond, well, the tension. The tension is right off the bat. Right off the bat. And then the bonding commences with a drunken night of singing and comparing scars. And then Quint tells his story about being on the USS Indianapolis a mm-hmm. famous World War II battleship that was sunk by Japanese torpedoes yes. after delivering one of the atomic bombs. Of the 1,200 people aboard, 300 went down with the ship. Oh. 900 of them floated around in the Pacific Ocean. And because of the secrecy of the mission, they were not rescued for, I yeah. think, four days. Or And, yeah, the secrecy delayed their rescue mm-hmm. and their um, ability to talk about it afterward, I think, yep. from what I remember. I think so, yeah. So this is a very, like, humanizing moment for Quint, and kind of right Mm -hmm. as this story is happening, the shark attacks the boat and rams right into it breaches the hull and it starts flooding so they start they spend the whole night into the morning trying to fix the engine help mitigate some of the flooding Mm -hmm. brody is like okay we gotta fucking call for help because this is ridiculous quint who in a classic captain ahab fashion is obsessed with killing this shark with no help whatsoever his very own power yep so he smashes the shit out of the radio leaving them basically stranded on a sinking boat they have harpooned a bunch of barrels to the shark to kind of help the idea Mm -hmm. is to the barrels will tire um, out tire out the shark make it easier to to eventually kill and then it'll float to the surface and they can haul it in the shark in supernatural show of strength has three barrels attached to it which Mm -hmm. as they show you in mythbusters not possible ridiculous um with sharks we know with the size that we know sharks to get to i don't know that was part of like that was part of the bit that i'm like well sure maybe but like it required a tank 
for the Mythbusters episode, if I'm remembering correctly. You know, I don't remember that part super yeah. clearly. I'm going to be honest. I, I think they it, they ended up needing a whole ass tank. To hold a shark to, down? No, to hold the barrels underneath. Oh, yes. For the amount yes. of time Correct. that the Sorry. shark was yeah. supposed to have held the barrels We've, under. They do a couple different, like, this is unrelated, but they do a couple different tests mm-hmm. like that. And the water pressure, like, yeah, it's... it's Yeah, it's just not... Heavy is yeah. kind of the word to use, even though it's, like, the force that's pulling it back towards the surface. Mm-hmm. It's the buoyancy just immense. Is buoyancy, just, that's yeah. the word. Mm-hmm. Thank you. They're battling with the shark. Cat and mouse game continues. Quint finally agrees to bring the boat closer to shore to try and drown mm-hmm. the shark. Um, and also because the fucking boat is sinking. <laughs> but he overtaxes the engine, so the engine just fucking mm-hmm. explodes, and the boat is just sinking, right? Mm-hmm. So in Pretty sinking at this a, point. Yeah. In a move of desperation, Matt Hooper gets his little shark cage together and yeah. wants to try and poison the shark. Hooper is in the cage. The shark busts through the cage. Mm-hmm. Hooper just very narrowly manages to escape, and the, the shark just obliterates the cage. The shark then <laughs> jumps onto the back of the boat <laughs> um, and starts chomping away. And because of the, the tilting of the boat, Quint ends up falling into its Sliding mouth. right in. So Quint dies that way. Brody is desperately trying to get it away. He grabs this pressurized, yeah, yeah. a pressurized air tank, bopping it on the nose, and then it like ends up in its mouth. And he's like, "Wait, shit, fuck!" I believe those are his exact words. (laughs) Something similar, yeah. (laughs) As the ship continues to sink, Brody is just trying to stay on top of the water while the shark's coming at him. Um, He has a rifle. It gets the idea to start shooting at the air canister in the shark's mouth, and finally. Hits it. Shark is gone. Hooper does survive. Is confirmed to have survived. Yeah, he floats up out of nowhere. Yeah, he's just like, hey, (laughs) I made it. I'm here too. (laughs) And they kick their little way back to shore. The end. That was, that's Jaws. Well done. Well done. Thank you. I tried to make it somewhat (laughs) short-ish. Yeah. And I'm sure it is not even remotely. It's tricky. It's, yeah, it's tricky. Because even for having a somewhat simple plot, it's yeah. still a little bit complex. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of pieces that yeah. have to kind of, like, line up at the end, which mm-hmm. is, I think, a sign of a good movie. If mm-hmm. you have, like, all these, like, swirling pieces all then kind of, like, tie up together like a swirling funnel in a toilet. <laughs> that they all come together there at the bottom and yeah, clinch and together. Yeah, and they all... T- yeah, those are yeah. my favorites anyway, yeah. where all of a sudden everything falls into place, except yeah. that we lose Quint. R.I.P. Rip, my boy. Rip. Do you want to hear some of the differences yes. between the book and First, though, the film? Yeah. Just like we need it on the record. There were so many dogs in this movie. There were. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this movie probably about a dozen times. I've never actually counted how many dogs there are. Okay. So, so. there's there's Pippet, Tippin. The Black Lab, R.I.P. Who gets returned? If you watch the movie in reverse, you watch the movie in reverse. Has a miraculous adoption story. And then Brody himself has a dog. That's true. Right at the beginning, yeah. And then there's 
you know, okay, so, like, as the movie gets more and more crowded, mm-hmm. uh, especially in Act 1, mm. like, in the crowds, there are often just, like, dogs. Yeah, I, I saw at least true. three, and I saw then another one um, sitting, like, on the bow, like, bow, I guess is the word, how you pronounce it? Yeah. <laughs> bow. Because <laughs> it's a dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> But he's uh, he's sitting on the front of a boat mm-hmm. and good old yellow lab just looking happy to be out on the water yeah. being such a good boy. But it really it did add a lot of like realism for me. Yeah. As I was watching, I was like, I've never even noticed how few dogs are in movies, and like I'm seeing so many here that are just like hanging out. Because if you see a dog in a movie, usually it's like doing something very trained yeah. and having been around dogs my entire life. I can tell when a dog's doing something to get a treat. Yeah, and it, yeah, there's yeah. like an intensity to it that mm-hmm. he's like, I'm going to do the thing and then I'm going to get the treat. And these dogs <laughs> were just like hanging out. They're yeah. playing and like walking around and sitting on the front of boats trying. <laughs> that one did look like he was trying to be like, I'm where I'm supposed to be and I'm going to get a treat. <laughs> and he did great. It's so good. Sorry, yes, that was like the first so thing many. I noticed though was just like how many yeah. dogs. And in my notes, I had written so um, many dogs. Because <laughs> at first I was like, I like how many dogs there are, and then there just kept being more dogs. And so mm-hmm. in all caps later, just like so many dogs. No, it's it's kind of refreshing because it yeah. it makes the world feel more lived in. More yes, more lived in is a mm-hmm. great way to put it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I figure we just do like a quick rundown of some of the changes Please. from book to screen. Which you had told me there was a book and yep. I like didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's so that's a sneaky fact that mm-hmm. got buried with like the 30 year 40 how what year is it? 50 years it's since 1975. So <laughs> god. Fuck, we're old. No we're not. <laughs> Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. <laughs> Into the future. <laughs> 48 years. That's what I was like. We're coming up on 50 at least. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So. So. In the 50 years since this movie, I think the fact that it got, that it came from a book has been completely forgotten. I never knew it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a pretty quick turnaround also. The book was written by first time author Peter Benchley. And you can tell he's a first-time author because hmm. his prose are a bit lacking. Sorry, Peter. I appreciate the work <laughs> you tried to do after this well, book Well, he brought his Jaws in the first place. Like he that, did. That's important work. Yep. And it ended up being a bestseller for 44 weeks. Wow. On the New York Times bestseller list. It's a long time. Which is a long fucking time. So, book comes out 1974, film comes out June 1975. The book definitely emphasizes, like, the island's reliance on tourism. Hmm. The fact that without tourist dollars, mm-hmm. the the people who, the, like, thousand people who live on the island would be, be would be functionally, economically destitute. Hmm. And so that really That's drives the motivation to keep the beaches open. Add on top of that, the sleazy mayor. <laughs> God, he was so yeah sweaty. <laughs> Everyone was though. Everyone's a little bit sweaty. Everyone's so sweaty. In the Sarah 70s. Marshall put this in the wet movies category because they were doing the like wet versus dry movies. <laughs> And this was like, it's the wettest. The 70s was full of wet movies. It's true. And everyone was. But yeah, he's super sleazy and you always feel like he's got something shady going on. For sure. And 
So while in, in the movie, he's just kind of a slime ball who, yeah. like, thinks he knows better. In the book, he owes money to the mafia who <laughs> own a bunch of real estate on the island. Oh, they own real estate? Yeah. And so Weird. they're like, hey, you got to keep the fucking beaches open so we can get our fucking <laughs> money, bitch. <laughs> Break your legs. <laughs> Break your legs or you'll be and you'll be sleeping with the fishes. <laughs> oh, my God. And the shark's like, yes, please. Yeah, please. <laughs> Um, slumber party <laughs> slumber party oh my god so that's and, weird and i go back and forth between like whether or not that's like an effective plot device yeah because it does make sense that like a mayor would also just be kind of stupid enough to just yeah. be like i know definitely, better definitely you. but it also explains like i think it's it's an interesting element that like there are these sort of undercurrents that motivate uh, these sort of profit-seeking behaviors. Yeah. Because he, like, I had no problem questioning that he was just, like, doing it to stay in power and mm-hmm. to, like, make the money that the town needed. Like, that all just, like, felt really natural to me. Mm-hmm. But I also have zero respect for politicians, and it's 20... 20- it's not 2016. It's 2023. It's 2023. <laughs> so even more so. Even zero more so. respect for, like, politicians and that, like, yeah, they can achieve good things in their tenure, but, like, they're also out out here for they're, their own benefit. Yeah, there's too much of a, like, vested interest yes. in building their own wealth and there are way too many mechanisms by which they can use the political system yeah. to build their own wealth. And I think that's something that, like, I've heard a lot about how, like, how people viewed politicians really changed in the 70s. Watergate. Because of Watergate. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things that I think, like, at the time, they probably even thought, like, eh, we don't really need him to have, like, another motivation to, like, be making the wrong decision. Yeah. Other than just look at him, he's fucking sleazy. He's sleazy. <laughs> like, he's just, he he's looking to make sure that the town stays financially viable, which is, like, its own, like, sort of good reasoning but he's putting people in danger mm-hmm. which is never okay mm-hmm. and and what i think is really interesting is obviously he's not the only one putting people in danger yeah. there's um uh the medical examiner who initially rules chrissy watkins death a shark attack yeah. is like boating accident it's like sure i'll retract it and say boating accident we need the tour you know there are these and then you go there's the meeting where we first meet quint and he scratches the board and he makes it very clear that basically everyone else in this room is like very invested in keeping the beaches open in spite of the danger. The danger. Yeah. And I it, I think it's in that meeting that Brody's like, yeah, we're closing the beaches. And, and the mayor's like, but only for 24 hours. And yeah, it, yeah. And Brody's like, I didn't agree to that. Yes. <laughs> what are you talking like, about? No, we need to, like, actually make sure it's safe before we open mm-hmm. back up. Yep. One of my favorite little fun facts is that uh, Steven Spielberg at one point said that when he was reading the novel, by the end of it, he was rooting for the shark because all of the characters were so unlikable in the book. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I wrote down, like, I'm really impressed by how much I liked all of these characters Mm -hmm. by the end of it, where at the beginning I was like, I don't know why, for some reason I was kind of expecting to hate all of them. And then by the end, I was, like, fans of every single one in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. That's and so cool. It's so fun. And so, yeah, they, they had to change, yeah. you know, a lot of aspects of the novel to make the characters actually likable. So you're yes. rooting for them and yes. not the shark. 
Yeah, right? <laughs> He's like, I can see how I can make this really compelling into a movie, but boy, oh boy, are these people yeah. just shitty. Yeah. Which, okay, so ex- tell me more about how these are shitty human beings. Sure. So, um, Book Brody is just a jackass. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, he and his wife are constantly fighting. He's incredibly, like, resentful of the fact that he's getting older. <laughs> Aren't we all, Brody? Get over right? it. Right? <laughs> like, Book Hooper is like, I'm fucking smart, I'm Ivy League educated, and I have a shit ton of money. Blech. Who the fuck are you? Gross. And so, like, the, the classism that's, like, in the film is, like, amplified a lot more in the, huh. in the movie. Or, excuse me, in the book. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Hooper sucks. <laughs> but, uh, and then another element about Hooper uh, that makes him an absolute piece of shit is that he has an affair with Uh, Ellen. uh, And I'm so glad they cut it out of the movie. Me too. Because it's so unnecessary. So so unnecessary. I don't even understand why you would do that in the book in the first place. It's like... (sighs) Except to, like, really drive home what a piece of shit he is. And then Quint, you know, he's, like we said briny, salty, oh my God. crusty guy a in barnacle, Robert Shaw. If you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like, to look at him is interesting, and to step on him is to get your foot sliced open. It's true, yeah. Um, where he's just kind of constantly chatting and telling stories. and Yeah, so Book Quint doesn't do a whole lot of talking. He's just kind of like, you know, he gives people shit here and there, yeah. but he's like, he's pretty just sort of set on the task and, and just sort of doesn't do a whole lot of speaking. Very much kind of ripped from the pages of Moby Dick, you know? Like, he is a Captain Ahab. Yeah, you know? yeah. And there's not really, in the book, There, he doesn't have the USS Indianapolis backstory. So he doesn't really? have any other motivation for hunting the shark other than just he wants I, his prize. I didn't know that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and That's it's so interesting. Yeah. And it's it makes Quinn's character have Wait, so, much more, so much more depth. You know? Yeah, it makes, yeah, not having that, like, background of, like, yeah, I was hunted by sharks, so now I'm gonna hunt sharks mm-hmm. is such a good motivation, mm-hmm. even if flawed. Like, In- inherently right? like, flawed. Inherently flawed. Don't do that if you but... get hunted by sharks. That's <laughs> what they were built to do. Yeah, no, that makes him such a more, way more compelling character mm-hmm. than just, like, a dickhead who likes to yeah. hunt. Hunt and kill sharks, Yeah. One thing that Quint does in the book that is extremely unlikable, to put it mildly, is he uses illegal bait for charming. He uses baby dolphins. Ah! (laughs) So I was like, what could possibly be illegal bait? And then you just said baby, and I like about lost my goddamn mind. But So dolphins made it a little bit of a softer blow, but because it wasn't human baby. I thought you were just going to be like, babies. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Baby um, dolphins is pretty bad. That's still horrible. Yeah, it's horrifying. So, oh like, everyone's just a terrible person in the book. That's that is horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's everyone is terrible in the book. Okay, okay, okay. So everyone's assholes in the book. <laughs> <laughs> We've learned. Yep. Do because in the movie, 
everyone is like their own charming, beautiful little selves, mm-hmm. even if they're abrasive. They're like colliding into each they're other. They're colliding with each other. But by the end of the movie, they've all bonded in these really great yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. Do you get any of that in the book? Like, does do you feel like we hear anything about, like, because at the end... Quint and uh, Hooper, no, not Quint and Hooper, uh, Brody and Hooper are, like, paddling away together, and I was like, they should kiss. Because <laughs> I just thought it seemed like the right time, but what do I know? Um, yeah. But I, I did, I felt like they had bonded really well, and they were, like, buds by the end of it. And based not on what you're describing really. to me, I don't think that they would. No, no. So at one point, Brody does try to strangle Hooper. <laughs> um, with his old man hands because Quint does. Uh, Brody. Brody does. Oh my god! Because he's like, I suspect you're having an affair with my wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Hooper very unceremoniously goes down into the shark cage and right. is eaten. That's, I couldn't remember if you had told me if he dies in the book or mm-hmm. not. And I, so, cause remember I was watching and I said, <laughs> as Hooper was getting into the cage, I was like trying to say some stupid like statistic. You said <laughs> one third of the people on this boat are going to die. Or not even are going to. I was like, did you know one third of the Orca crew gets like will or does get eaten by a shark or something? It was like as if it's just a fact that yeah. anybody, any one third of the crew on the Orca at any yeah. time. Gets is, consumed by yep, a shark. Yep. And you so, were yeah, right. I thought I thought he was gonna die for sure in the movie. And then he didn't. And then he didn't. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Quint dies. Yep. So and then Quint also dies in the book. Really? So two people. Yep. Oh and my god. So what I think is kind of fun about the movie, but that doesn't translate in the book, is Quint is obviously uh, a root, I forget Greek or Latin for five. In oh, the, that's right. In the movie, <gasps> Quint is the fifth person to die. Uh, in the book, there's Chrissy Watkins, Christy is her name in the book, Alex Kintner, and one other lady, the dude in the boat, in the boat, the ben other Gardner, dude in the boat, the other dude in the boat, Matt Hooper, and then Quint. Oh, so it doesn't even make any sense. So it doesn't even make any sense. And I'm like... <laughs> Good job, Steven Spielberg. Well, Steven You're Spielberg like, made, it ma- made some magic cleaned happen. Cleaned up this yeah, cleaned it up. Cleaned it up. He cleaned that shit right cleaned up. Cleaned it the fuck up. Call him Mr. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> He's not bald enough for that yet. I was wondering. I couldn't yeah. remember. I don't... So, like, this is going to be the stupidest thing I've said for years. I, hard doubt. So, for some reason, when I was a child, mm-hmm. I got Ron Howard and Steven Spielberg confused. Okay. <laughs> Don't pretend not to laugh at that. <laughs> You're laughing. I see it. It's true. <laughs> I didn't say you couldn't laugh at it. I said it was going to be the stupidest thing you've heard me say in years. <laughs> because I was watching the behind the scenes of The Grinch. <laughs> directed by Ron oh. Howard. And I don't remember where the Steven Spielberg crossover came in. He might have been a producer. Maybe. I don't know. I can see him being a producer on that. And I don't even want to look it up because I'm sure he wasn't. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure we're just trying to throw me a bone and that he had nothing to do with this. 
but I'm looking this up. Go, <laughs> continue your story. I'm gonna look but it yeah, up no. Now. So for a long time, I definitely thought that that was. I got them confused. I knew that they weren't the same person because I was like, well, no. Ron Howard was the was Opie in Andy Griffith's show, and and he still looks like that to this day. He still has a very Opie face. He's in Arrested <laughs> Development. He has his own director's career. Good for him. And Steven Spielberg made all of these really big films but I sure did like physically think of Ron Howard for years when I heard of Steven and I still do to be honest I just know that that's not what he looks like so I guess a couple more things from the book um when Quint dies Mm -hmm. he is not eaten by the shark um his foot gets trapped or gets wrapped up in the rope and so he drowns I kind of almost like that, though. Like, it's like the hubris da- mm. death rather than, like, a, the victorious death, which is dying to your enemy. But there's also, I feel like the for someone like Quint, the most horrifying death imaginable is in the jaws of a shark. When that, you know, that was such a defining moment of your life was watching yeah. all these people around you get killed by yeah. sharks. So, for me, that's a more, the the movie death is more horrifying. Oh, for sure. I think it's the better death Mm -hmm. for movie Quint, especially, because I do, I personally see it as a warrior's death. Yeah. Um, because he's he's, been... He looks so fucking scared the whole time. He does. Like... Well, no one wants to die. No. (laughs) (laughs) No one wants to get chewed up. By a shark. I don't think so, no. Anyone who does, I'm like, let's let's chat. So here's here's my thoughts on this, is that um, a fall, a drowning, or hanging by accident, like any kind of like accidental death, Mm -hmm. where it's like this stupid thing happened, and rather than like being conquered by something else, Mm. the person falls to their own hubris or to their own like... uh, Gall, like gall or audacity mm-hmm. kind of brings them down mm-hmm. is the coward's death and yeah. the, and is often the villain death right like in all those what? disney films okay, yeah. we're watching them all like fall off of ledges because they tried to take one more step towards the hero mm-hmm. or they cut you know um in tarzan he's cutting the vines yeah, cutting the vines and, and he then... cuts his own supports yeah. and hangs himself there's right. like several of these uh, throughout mm-hmm. disney movies specifically but elsewhere as well yeah and i think that that would have qualified for me, Quint's book character's death, as kind of like the coward or the villain's yeah. death. And which, you know, maybe the writer did want you to root for the shark. Maybe he wanted everybody to like, maybe he wanted it that way because it seems like, you know, Steven Spielberg finished it and he didn't really like anybody and mm-hmm. two of them were dead. One of them died a coward's or villain's death. And in the movie, these guys get turned into folky heroes That's who are true, like yeah. kind of endearing if crusty and <laughs> abrasive. And they, even when they die in Quinn's point, he's dying a hero's death by being conquered by his enemy mm. and by dying like in this kind of, in the fight. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. No, that's, I think that's a really interesting take on it. Because I always saw the, like, the book death as being kind of a little bit of a cop-out. Mm-hmm. I always just remember the, the his book death being kind of like, oh, that was <laughs> fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas the movie death is just, like, there's no music. There's just the screaming, mm-hmm. the thrashing, and the, like, desperation. Yeah. As he's just, like, yeah. trying to fight the inevitable. I think he's going out with his boots on. I'm really literally like that's that's really how I kind of perceive that 
Two more things. Well, three more things. I'm sorry. We're, no, you're we're, good. We're going to get through this. We're going to take our time page with it. We to screen. Yeah, that's true. Page to screen. Page so. to scream. <laughs> scream. <laughs> um, <laughs> Make it more obnoxious. Yeah, absolutely. Hooper was killed in the book. Yes. The script of the film also had Hooper dying. Oh. However, the issues with the mechanical shark. That we'll get into. And then the quality of the footage of the live shark footage that they got off Australia, which I'll get into a little more later. Basically, Steven Spielberg loved that footage so much that he was like, we're going to write it so that Hooper survives because we got to use this footage. It's too good not to use. So saved Hooper's life. And and in so doing, made Quint the fifth victim. Which is um, just so coincidentally beautiful. So coincidentally beautiful. Quint- Quint- <laughs> Quint- coincidentally. Coincidentally. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's that's a little bit hard. That's kind of tricky. <laughs> Coinc- Quint- Quint- coincidentally. There you go. Good job. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Something that I think was a crucial change mm-hmm. was in the film, once they go out, start hunting the shark... They stay out on the water. They, mm-hmm. they don't come yeah, home. Yeah. In the, the book, they come home every night. Oh. Yeah. And I'm like... The book seems like it's just a much worse version. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm trying not to be too shitty, because it brought us Jaws, it brought which is us a great classic. Jaws, which is a great classic, but, but goddamn, did it need some work. <laughs> it did. And God bless Carl Gottlieb, I think is his name, who... Made adapted it, it. Yeah. Wow. He was one of the writers who I was wondering who did that. Help make it fucking incredible instead of just really kind of like a shitty B movie, you know? Yeah, and and more just about fishing, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, that's that just sounds like a fishing trip. <laughs> <laughs> it is. No, it totally is. And, and less of a vigil, you know, yeah. like of a like we're going to like on a like a less, hunt or like Yeah, a, it's it's much a less of a cat and mouse chase. Yeah. And more of the like, all right, boys, we're going on a trip. Going fishing, bud. <laughs> going fishing, bud. Well and, and especially that scene between Brody and Ellen where Brody's basically saying goodbye to his wife. Yeah. And yeah. Ellen's like, Do you have your spare pair of glasses? Yeah. I tucked it in your sock. Oh, um, so, I love that idea, by yeah. the way. I was like, oh, that's what you do with your spare set of glasses when you don't have a... Fucking smart. She, yeah, that was genius. Really fucking smart. But, yeah, like, just the, the, the idea of them coming back into port at yeah, every yeah. single night, it undermines the tension. Yes. It lowers the stakes. Oh, so much. And then you just, you lose that sense of, like, isolation. Yeah. And then desperation. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Because the more time goes on, the more they're like, fuck! Right. They're on this boat, just the three of them, and so, of course, they're at each other's throats. And also just really desperate to fucking kill this shark. And if, if they came home every single night, gone. Yeah, the tension, you get to, like, release that tension every yeah. day by going to bed in your own bed. In your own bed, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and it's, so, I, I think that was a great change for the film. And then, of course, we have our beautiful cinematic masterpiece that is the shark blowing up at oh, the end of the film. Oh, beautiful. It's incredible. I love it. I love a good Not scientifically explosion. accurate, but no. who gives a shit? It's no. spectacle. It's the movies, baby. Myth busted. Go watch that yeah. Shark Week Mythbusters episode. Exactly. <laughs> Do it. It'll be great. It's such a good You'll one. love it. So Classic. the shark in the book 
does not blow up. Instead of blowing up, it succumbs to its multiple harpoon wounds and sinks to the ocean floor. It's literally the difference between popping a balloon and like like let yeah like yeah. letting it just slowly not even that almost more like letting it slowly deflate over days. Oh my god! Like yeah. you're not even no, getting any noise. Yeah, you're just like it's just fl- sort of it's like bloop, bloop, bloop. dying of its own just like existence and wounds. Yeah. Yeah. No, I fucking hate that. Yeah. I that actually sorry Peter, what's your face? <laughs> That clinches it to me to being just, like, a really bad book. And like, to be honest, I think that's is, a bad ending. Peter Benchley is a much better nonfiction writer than he is a fiction writer. Side note, I say this as someone who's literally never read it. I am shit-talking so hard right now, but I am a shit-talker. Get well, ready. And so <laughs> the two caveats I will give him, it was his first book. Okay. Or his first novel, I should say. Sure, yeah. I, I have a book somewhere in my house about just sort of some of his nonfiction adventures in mm-hmm. doing ocean stuff, right? Just oh. kind of diving and, and swimming. Oh, he was in a diver? Air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. He did, he did a lot of marine work, and especially after Jaws came out, he felt a lot of obligation to try and remedy the <gasps> reputation of sharks that he felt his, his book had damaged his book and then the film had damaged oh my god wow so, i didn't know that at all highly commend that work okay um, good for him but jaws is not the best written book <laughs> it's still a bad book we can both things can be true it's true <laughs> the world is a complicated place it's true. Both people, things can be true people in exist our... in multitudes <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's a very long-winded breakdown of the differences between book and movie. I love hearing that, though, because it is so interesting to hear how these books can get picked up and be kind of, like, very average. Yeah. Even if they're bestsellers, like, you know, people get swept up in things. Like, there's, sometimes they're really good at one thing, but they're really bad at others. Yeah. And still good enough to really be engaged in. And before jumping into some some thematic some more thematic analysis, I figured we could jump into some behind the scenes yeah. drama. Was Ron Howard there? Probably in spirit, <laughs> if not in person, in spirit. So, <laughs> so annoying. behind the scenes of Jaws was yeah. a fucking oh mess. Um, so the book very quickly caught the attention of producers whose names I'm blanking on right now, and they're not super important. If you want to learn more about the behind the scenes of Jaws, I highly recommend the episode of the podcast What Went Wrong that talks about Jaws. It will be linked in our episode notes. Mm -hmm. So Jaws was given a budget of roughly three and a half, four million dollars and a shooting schedule of 55 days. That's so few days. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do that. And, and make what they made. And make what they made. And yeah. and especially, the film ended up at a budget of $9 million, so almost triple their budget. Oh, see, they couldn't either. And then <laughs> la- the shooting, shooting lasted for 159 <gasps> days. Oh my god. That's almost triple. Yeah. yeah. Just over five months, though, which is... Insane. But again, I don't, I don't, like, I was actually, while we were watching, I was like, this had to have taken forever because of how much water they're interacting with all the fucking time. And like, what I know that does to equipment and to the set stuff that you're making and to like the people who are <laughs> doing the scenes, like that is all really demanding yeah. to be. And it wasn't like, 
they started being in the water partway through the whole movie. There is someone in the fucking water at all times, basically. <laughs> and like when they, like I think probably a fifth of the movie where where we've got people out of the water. These are probably wrong numbers, but that's like how I remember it. It's funny that you mentioned the water because <laughs> salt the, water, especially salt water. Um, I know on our previous recording. This is something that we we <laughs> spent time laughing about. Um, <laughs> production initially wanted to train a real great white shark. Obviously, <laughs> I forgot that that was said. See, don't don't cue me up like that. I you could have said that, and I would have still forgotten and would have laughed yeah. hysterically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my so, god. So um, obviously, that's impossible. <laughs> so <laughs> they uh, built three mechanical sharks. Um, and tested them in freshwater tanks. Um, they went to shoot on location mm-hmm. in Martha's Vineyard, which is famously on the fucking ocean <laughs> where there's salt water. Yeah. So the salt water and basically sand. and sand. Salt water ended up being a huge issue with the equipment <sighs> no and shit. the mechanical sharks, all of whom were nicknamed Bruce. After <laughs> Steven Spielberg's lawyer. You told me that before yeah. we watched yep. it. And I was like, that's that's good. That's it's funny. so funny. Which then named our shark in Finding Nemo. Just kind of shout it out is. Finding Nemo. Yeah. Good old Bruce. It's a great fucking movie. So because of how unreliable and just dysfunctional mm-hmm. the mechanical sharks were, Steven Spielberg was forced to get creative with the camera <laughs> angles. Oh, um, And so sure. that's what... The, originally, they were going to shoot a lot more of the shark, where Full you body. see a lot more of it. And instead, they had to opt for the underwater POV shots, mm. where you are, you are the shark, are the shark, and you're seeing people from yeah, underwater. We don't see the shark for a long time in the movie. The first glimpse we get of the shark is during the Alex Kintner attack. Yes, and even then, you see Super the brief. you see the fins. Uh-huh. You see the pectoral fins and part of the tail as it's mm-hmm. flipping flipping him over. Yeah. Right? From there, the next time you see it is when it's attacking the guy in the boat. Mm -hmm. And even then, just super quick shot of the shark kind of coming at this guy and grabbing him. Partial partial shots of the... Sorry, shots that are only partial of the shark itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not full body shots. Not full body shots. And it's incredibly brief, so you just get this, like... Glimpses. Yeah, basically just a glimpse of this massive fucking thing. Mm Mm-hmm. With open jaws. Eh, that's the name of the movie. Ah. <laughs> Roll um, credits. Yeah. Um, coming in at this guy. And then the next thing you see, obviously he's screaming and splashing. But then the next thing you see is his his leg having... Drifting to the bottom just drifting of to the, the bottom. water. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which I, when we were watching, I was like, that is a beautifully sculpted leg. That looks like a leg. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I love Shout the... Shout out to whoever Seriously. It. I love the implication of that because it's like that leg is the only thing left. Is yeah, is the implication yeah, in my mind? Yeah, like that, that shark like, is so fucking big massive. Bite that yeah. took everything except for his shin. His shin, yeah. Not even yeah. the full leg, just like part of shin the shin. Down. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is horrifying. <sighs> they were able to get really creative with implying the shark was there. Yes. Without showing it. Yeah. Um, so obviously early on there's that scene with the two jackasses who 
put out like the ham on the hook or whatever. Yeah. And then there's that floating bit of the dock. Yes. And that indicates the shark. Um, and then obviously later and on the barrels. The dock away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the yellow barrels that Quint yeah. uses are, you know, that. I, I loved, I thought that was all really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, especially the barrels, just how much power your brain knows that that would take to sink, as mentioned earlier, with the Mythbusters stuff. Like, you know how hard it is to keep a beach ball under the water, like mm-hmm. in the pool. Yeah. So now imagine that it's a giant yellow plastic empty barrel mm-hmm. and like think of how much power that would take and now imagine three of them three of them yeah. and just how much muscle that this shark has to be dragging those for hours mm-hmm. under the water at mm-hmm. a time yep what a what an actual monstrosity this huge shark is supposed to be this freak of nature shark mm-hmm. i just yeah it was very effective yep they also for the opening sequence of chrissy getting attacked she was originally just supposed to get chomped chomped gone but what they did instead was rig up the system that drags yeah. her around making it infinitely more I was, terrifying like, worried about her <laughs> she actually did was get a little okay? bit injured because the oh, no. the the ropes not the yeah. ropes the pulley system was drawing her, her around yeah um, and it's so like physically that just has to be really difficult mm-hmm. to do let alone that i mean in the water you're getting less weight Mm-hmm. Like distri- you know, your your weight is more distributed across the water as well compared to like if you were hanging by ropes or like yeah. by a system of some sort. But yeah. the jerking motion is still going to be a lot yeah, on you in the you've water. Got the drag, yeah, the drag, yeah. and then also like water flailing around your face and just yeah. it was there was a lot going on in that scene. Well, and and the thing that kind of seals it as such an iconic scene for me mm. is. Right at the very end when she's screaming, you know, like, you know, dear God, help. Mm -hmm. There's, in that last one, she's got a little bit of water in her mouth. And you can hear the gurgling, like, right before they pull her under. Yeah. And it's like, I loved the, like, right from the offset, because that's the very first two minutes of the movie, right? Like, we haven't seen anybody or anything except Mm -hmm. for Chrissy going down to swim and then getting it attacked and dragged down it it goes from this very like noisy 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 like escalation of noise yeah to silence yeah yeah and i felt like that was so so effective and was done a lot throughout the rest of the movie yes. was just like using noise or lack thereof mm-hmm. to build tension in a way definitely was really great definitely so. and i do i would love to circle back to that because oh, yeah there's obviously got John Williams' incredible score. Oh my god! But in, and I think it's worth noting the times when it is used versus the times when it's not yeah, used. Yeah, and um, that's the moment where it falls silent. Yeah. and I can't remember. Was it playing during her flailing? I don't think it was. There but... was some music playing okay. during. I think when she first gets like, there's something that kind of. Oh whoop, yeah, that whoop, first grab. Doo-doo-doo. Yeah, the score just kind of, sorry, I get goosebumps even just (laughs) thinking about it. Yeah, there was, I I, I don't know if I told you this, there was a a period of time um, after I'd first seen the movie when I was young that I was still terrified. If anyone even like jokingly played the notes, (gasps) I got so mad. I I would like get scared and oh get really God. fucking mad. This um, is so fascinating to me that like you the the very soul of horror movie like you <laughs> love it you love all horror movies and this is the one that was so scary to you. I just saw it at the right wrong age, yeah. you know, like at the right wrong time, <laughs> the right wrong time. It really seemed to like mess mess with your psyche mm-hmm. in a way that like I haven't I I like. 
I don't even think as a kid, I think that would have been, like, stressful. It would have been, like, thriller style. But I think the whole time I would have been like, yeah, but it's a shark. Like, mm. we all know sharks exist. If you get mm. in the water, you're kind of signing off this little, like, waiver that it's like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I might get attacked by, like, sharks or other things that live in the ocean. Or I might step on an urchin or whatever. Yeah. So um, I definitely did want to talk about the real shark versus mechanical shark. Oh my god. Well, yeah, in the movie I was watching and I was like, Elena, why did they tie a fucking shark to the top of this cage? Is that animal being abused right now? And you're like, well, we'll talk about it. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about it. Yep. So, (laughs) no, the shark wasn't being wasn't tied to the top of the cage. (laughs) What what did happen, though, was um, they were planning on, like, kind of shooting Hooper's death scene. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote. um, With a real shark. They got footage off the coast of southern australia oh yeah the plan was to use a yeah Mm -hmm. like a short a a small actor a short actor in in the cage shorter person who's like scaled down with a scaled down cage uh to make the shark seem bigger it was you could having seen lots of sharks on just shark weekend around yeah like you can tell it's not a very big shark it's yeah, it is not... Not compared to... Proportionally... Bruce, who's supposed to be fucking huge. Bruce is supposed to be 25 feet. Shit. Great white sharks. The largest one is debated to be around 18 feet. That's still enormous. Which is still fucking enormous, but like... The one we saw was The one we saw like, was a young male. Yeah. They couldn't get a shark to like attack the cage correctly mm-hmm. because sharks aren't trainable. No. Not like that. No. Like, no. <laughs> they are their own creature. They're going to do whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. The person was not in the cage when a shark came up to it and started attacking the cage. Mm-hmm. Or just sort of like... Investigating. Invest- very aggressively investigating mm-hmm. the cage. And sort of, from footage I've seen, it looks like it was being territorial. Great. Yeah. Again, not a shark expert, but sharks can be really territorial around food. Right. So uh, that would be my sneaking suspicion. So what ended up happening was the shark, in interacting with the cage, got stuck in between the boat and the cage and ended up oh. sort of on top of the cage and yeah. was thrashing around yeah, trying to get it trying to sure it was, was stuck. Yeah, so it was trying to get off. Thankfully, got free. The shark was okay, or at least from what we can tell the shark yeah, was fine. Yeah. It didn't seem to Not get have any anything. have any injuries or anything from it. Ron and Valerie Taylor were the ones um I'm just naming them because they deserve credit for getting the right, footage because yeah, it's incredible yeah. footage. And um, long, long took a long time. I yeah. Think. So they got this footage, and when Steven Spielberg saw it, he was like, oh my fucking god, we need to use this footage, this is incredible. And so obviously during the the cage sequence, it cuts between the mechanical shark and the real shark. Obviously you can tell the difference. Oh yeah. But it still adds like a level of intensity to like... Oh, for sure. And they're not like so jarringly different. Yeah, Which was I think, impressive. Yeah, the way that it was filmed and then edited, I think, ended up working. Especially when it came to the thrashing. Because yes. the thrashing is just so, like, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's yeah. a real shark. It's really... Thrashing around. Yeah, it's, it's tense to watch in any mm-hmm. circumstance, you know? And... Again, like I said earlier, that that footage saved the character of mm-hmm. Hooper from being killed, which I think is amazing. Yeah, I uh, thought that was such a good... Yeah, that all mm-hmm. was serendipitously a very good mm-hmm. storytelling yep. 
change. Definitely. I also wanted to very briefly talk about how Charlton Heston wanted to play Brody. <laughs> Wait, Brody? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Gwen. Nope. Oh my god, no. Exactly. No. I That's... was already not a fan of that concept, let alone that it's for Brody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brody's such a softie. Yeah. You know, like, he's, he really he's, is. He's got papa energy. He's got... So, I don't know you said, you said, said he mom, had mom energy. He has hardcore yeah. mom energy, in my opinion, and that he's such a worrywart. Yeah. And is like, Michael, just go swim in the pond. Like, yep. for me. For me, buddy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like... So, yeah. But no, he, he has a very, like, I think he does have these this softness to him. And you see it during the Scar comparison mm-hmm. when... Ugh, I love that moment where it's they're so comparing Scars. Yeah. And it's Hooper and Quint who are finally kind of seeing each other for who they really are, Mm. which is they're both like ocean voyaging shark hunters, even if their goals are different Mm -hmm. and even if their backgrounds are different. And both their methods are very different. Yeah, Yeah. but they've both been around. They've both been battling and like seeing sharks and having these encounters and Mm -hmm. they're they're just like vibing. We cut to Brody standing off by himself Mm -hmm. and just listening. He's enjoying listening, but he kind of lifts up his shirt, kind of looking down to his stomach and you see a scar Potentially where an appendix might be, but also just a scar. We don't know. And he puts his shirt down and he says nothing. Mm -hmm. He's just really quiet. And so it's one of those moments that I think is, as you've said, beautiful storytelling with no words said. Yeah. Great character work. And I think it also just shows that he's just kind of, he's like, he's like, I don't really need to share about this. Yeah. For whatever reason. And he's not over there being like, well, this is mine. In a way that I think like a drunk, many men who would be drunk while other people are comparing scars might still just be like, well, this is mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either chicken shit scar from where I got my appendix taken out. It's not chicken shit to get your appendix taken out. But you know what I mean? Like, or say like, well, this is where. This is where I got a paper cut a paper cut or like fuck he moved from new york for who knows what reason Mm -hmm. maybe he got fucking stabbed or something yeah we don't know and that's what i love about that moment is is you're you're you can kind of project a little bit onto brody why you think he is sort of retreating into himself in that moment is it that he feels that he doesn't fit in Mm. or does he want to not kill the vibe yeah by by saying saying, oh here's a human attacked me yeah like yeah you guys were attacked by animals and oh i was you know maybe stabbed or maybe shot or maybe you know something a little potentially heavier you know where and and in because we hadn't gotten to the uss indianapolis yet at that point we were still talking about like fishing scars Mm -hmm. yeah like a bull shark a moray eel I I do think it's just so fascinating that, like, you can read that moment as, like, Brody feeling out of place Mm -hmm. among these, like, manly men, swarthy men, or you can read it as, like, oh, I don't want to maybe give too much away about myself. Right. I don't want to maybe kill the mood. Yeah. Um. Or, like, potentially, I don't want to admit this kind of, like, vulnerability. Yeah. You know, yeah. when when these people, or these men already kind of see me. See you as soft. Yeah, as a yeah. little bit softer. And um, I do want to circle back to how, I get, yeah, we can just jump right into it right now. But, like, the way that Quint treats Hooper versus the way he treats yeah. Brody. I yes. think it's, again, such beautifully such done. Such compelling character Ugh. work. Quint, you know, he, he takes 
Yeah, he'll he'll poke and jab at, at... He can be an asshole. He can be an asshole. But you can tell he does genuinely... Like, he'll give Brody a little bit of shit, but he's still like, here, let's teach you some knots. Like, it's Whereas, not your fault that you don't know these things. Yeah, let's exactly. Teach it to you. Exactly. Whereas with Hooper, he's like, oh, you think you think you know shit? You think you know shit? Tie me a fucking knot right yeah. now. Go do this. Go yeah. do that. Fucking sh- prove it. Prove you know? it. Like, they have, like, a dick measuring contest, oh, for sure. basically. Whereas with... with races. <laughs> Pagan races. It's a pissing contest, Linda. <laughs> so good. Watch Bob's Burgers if you do, do it. have it. Because it's incredible. But yeah, so I, I just appreciate that whereas he's testing Hooper kind of at every... Turns, yes. Yeah. Um. Basically, up until the scars, and even then, even past that, where he's sort of like still, he's still lazing like, him. Fuck off, Hooper! You yeah. don't know better than me. Yeah. And then breaks his engine. Right. He's much more that patient was with Brody. Sorry. Y- yeah. Go ahead. Oh no! I was just gonna <laughs> say that. Yeah. He's he's just much more patient with Brody, and like shows an understanding and sort of sympathy towards mm-hmm. him. It's really understanding that he, you know, Brody's just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And he's just not really equipped for what right. what's happening. Whereas exactly. he, I think, definitely feels somewhat threatened by Hooper mm-hmm. and sort of the, like, futurism that, that Hooper yeah. represents in this, like, Ooh, bringing in this technology, bringing yes. in this, the, this equipment, bringing in, yeah. you know, and it's just sort of kind of this threat to almost the traditionalism that Chris represents. Technology and modernism. Yep. I mm-hmm. love that's such a good point that we hadn't touched on. Because, you know, when I had first stepped out, having seen it for the first time, um, you were kind of pointing out that in the book there's more of this like economic tension mm-hmm. between the islanders and the visitors and mm-hmm. between Quint and Hooper. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of had said, you know, like it's interesting though, because I don't feel like I see that so much i don't see the mm-hmm. economic tension i see the manliness tension. yeah this yeah, like yeah, yeah. very like you said kind of being racist being racist <laughs> <laughs> you think that that's so good <laughs> they're peeing races and they're just like they are they're trying to see who's tough enough mm-hmm. to like really catch do the man versus nature and catch yeah. the shark and that's true of like all those guys crowded around it at the end or yeah, at the beginning, you know, yeah, where they yeah. found the tiger shark and that's the wrong one, but they all mm-hmm. think they caught it yeah. and they're all feeling so macho and yeah. so like they, they did it. Yeah. And one of my favorite moments in the whole movie is when Hooper's like, that's a tiger shark. And a guy goes, a what? A what? <laughs> one, one of the fishermen's like, oh what? Like he doesn't even fucking know what he just caught. He's yeah. just like, I caught this, I killed this. Big fish. Big fish. And Hooper's <laughs> like, you you know, it's, it's, I love that it's sort of a critique of both. Yes, right? yeah. Where, you know, it, Hooper's technology for all its bells and whistles and shininess. Still. Fucking obliterated by the shark. Yeah. And then Quint's sort of like raw, just determination. Brass like, tacks. Brass tacks and hubris about pushing every last plank yeah. of his boat yes. to, the, to the edge until it collapses, mm-hmm. this is an okay way to pursue this because if I get any help, 
I'm not. It's not worth. It's it, not a good. It's not a clean get. Yeah, or it's like, not a clean get. It's, it's cheating not, or something. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It's like because that's the. There's a part where Brody reaches over as they're getting attacked again by yeah. the shark in their vigil. He's trying and to call. He the tries Coast to call Guard. for help yeah. from the Coast Guard, and Brody runs over and just. Or Quinn does. Or Quinn. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just fucking smashes the yeah. radio. Yeah. And I said out loud, I was like, "What the fuck is he?" I was like, "What? What?" Like, what are you doing? Yep. Like, you dumb, yeah. dumb man. Yep, yep. And <laughs> like, I love him, but wow, that was stupid. It, it's so fucking stupid. And then he it's pushes right. his boat way too far. I think that that's, like, my only, like, personal kind of hang-up is, like, when you have these, like, experts at their craft mm-hmm. people, they don't typically then just, like, go for broke in this really reckless, dangerous way that's, like, I'm going to push my boat beyond its abilities. Yeah. Like, you know your boat's abilities. Yeah. And I guess that's sort of, like, a compelling character is the person person who makes you engage and be like why did you do that you well, stupid man i love you but you're so stupid and and i i do agree that they could have done that sort of transition a little bit better yeah because quint goes from being very like we're you gonna know, get we, it. We, know. we gotta launch these barrels right now i'm really telling you organized. what to do very precise very yes. like all right now it's time to do this now it's time to do this to like <laughs> like basically hooper screaming at Quint to Brody and Hooper both just like screaming at Quint to get the boat into shallower water because it's fucking sinking Sinking. and then he just kind of like I'm like all right where's there's not necessarily a clear moment where like he snaps quote unquote snap happens yeah yeah yeah, it's Um, that's my only complaint I think I I have for the whole plot Mm -hmm. is that it does seem like there there's like an unknown moment maybe if I watched it again but you've watched it so many times and you don't really seem to know either what kind of like triggers his just like fuck this i'm gonna like completely go go for for broke broke. yeah Yeah. and like Mm -hmm. if it kills me then it kills me yeah and if it kills everyone on the boat it kills them too i don't know it just seems like a very to me out of character yeah moment yeah from like everything we understand about him and if that's the thing is is if anyone has any ideas hit us up let us know yeah tell us Um, your theories my sneaking suspicion would be it's more along let's bringing up the indianapolis mm-hmm. might have been a trigger point because oh. the shark rams the boat shortly thereafter and they start flooding it and starts to fix the engine and... yeah and i think it escalates from there yeah yeah but they also could have made that maybe a little bit more clear yeah where like it, especially if the Tiny indianapolis specifically and... is sort of that breaking point where you know Yes, we're getting this background context, but for whatever reason, the shark may be attacking the boat uh-huh. after this story is being told. Um, maybe it serves as sort of a, a turning point for Quint. You know, make make that a little bit more clear. But again, this is send us your theories, send yeah, us your thoughts. I'm, I'm curious what people think would, about that. I would love to know what, what y'all think. Um, or if that feels in character. Maybe some mm-hmm. people think it feels in character for him. Yeah, yeah. Because of things I'm not thinking of, you mm-hmm. know? Definitely. Yeah, what another kind of element of of symbolism that I love when it comes to Quint is that his boat is called the Orca. The Orca. And orcas or killer whales as they're sometimes called mm-hmm. um are one of the only natural predators of the great white shark. They're like everybody's natural predators. Yeah. If they had legs, I'd be fucking terrified. We would like, all be When dead. we're talking about actual animals in the ocean to be scared of, but, of course, this is all very topical right now. Uh, I'm so scared of killer whales. I've seen, like, video... Have you seen that video of them, like, fucking playing with a dead baby seal? 
No, like it's but a toy. I haven't seen that one. I have seen a video of three of them very strategically making waves uh-huh. to knock a seal off a, <gasps> a, thing a rock of ice. or something. Oh my yeah. god! So like, there's a thing yeah. of ice that the seal is on, and three of them work together to create a Pretty wave that wave. makes the seal slide off. Oh, they're terrifying. <sighs> they're terrifying. They're really smart. Beautiful. It, beautiful, and beautiful terrifying. animals that are a little bit terrifying. What? Incredibly smart. What's that documentary about? Blackfish? Yes, thank you. Okay, I'm going to watch it. Because having, if you haven't been on any social media over the last, like, month and a half, there are a group of orcas orchestrated, orchestrated <laughs> by a matriarch. They have organized. Organized. Oh my god, we'll have more. It's okay. Yeah. Um, and they've been, like, fucking, like, knocking yachts over. And they've been, um... Disabling yachts and leaving people stranded. It's so, so they're, good. They're not attacking the people, but they That's are amazing. attacking the yachts. They're like, you're fucking noisy. Those orcas got me all fucked up in like all the ways, and yeah. then I'm like emotional and inspired, and sure. it's beautiful, but yeah. also like orcas are fucking scary. Or, yep. Yep. And, and the way you feel about orcas is. The way a lot of people feel about sharks. Which is interesting because I think sharks, to from what I understand about them, seem more like just like babies they're just hanging out they're just babies they are well and that's that's the thing is we're able to study orcas a lot better than we are sharks Mm -hmm. which i think is fascinating and i think one of the reasons for that is because orcas are mammals Mm -hmm. um we can relate to them a little bit more oh for sure where sharks are a little bit scary looking you know They're, they're they're kind of fucking weird they're less um anatomically cute yeah they're hard harder to anthropomorphize yes and i think that's why they get less attention than some marine mammals yeah yeah or even like fucking manatees right oh my god man you know why everybody loves manatees because when you sit down on a chair in shorts your your little chubby thighs and their kneecaps look like little manatees, and how can you be mad at that? You're like, yeah, you go get that you go sea get grass. <laughs> yeah, um, that is great. Um, so yeah, I love the symbolism, obviously, of the boat being named the Orca, oh, yeah. and then That's of course, yeah, of course, one of my favorite shots of the movie is when they're heading out to sea mm-hmm. and they don't come back. Remember that's yeah, yeah, very, out very all night. key difference from the book and just the shark jaws. They it's the the shot through Quint's uh, jaws and his jaw. Yeah, the the jaws of that he's they're got. like um they're like skeletized mm-hmm. jaws shark jaws yeah. that are hanging in his like in shop his or shop. something yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. in his little shack. And I then genuinely don't remember that. You shot. look through the window. Or the camera is looking through the window, through the jaws, and it frames the boat in the in the jaws, which I'm like, that's that's lovely. That is lovely. It's very very silly, clever, and I I like it. But it's I also it's very on the nose. It. That's okay. <laughs> on the nose. Um, as we've been starting this project, I've really been trying, like, starting to pay attention, kind of coincidentally. Um, at how movies are building tension because mm-hmm. as I'm watching, you know, any successful like scare mm-hmm. requires some tension build. Yeah. You know, when we were watching Psycho, that was done through a lot of like 
eerie, uncanny yeah. silence. Mm-hmm. Um, playing with contrast. Contrast, yeah. And playing off expectations. Yeah, yeah. And um, Saw felt like this really gradual just like build of like noise and texture and and violence and just stimulation. Static and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and explodes at the end. Yeah. Hot. Um. <laughs> Sorry. Your poor mother. She would have gotten this part. <laughs> but the, and then in this one, it was really interesting and I feel like completely different from either of those in that it had a very like, you know, this opening scene that really has you like, whoa, whoa, whoa what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And with um, Chrissy's attack. Mm-hmm. And then from that moment forward, I feel like Brody is, you know, he finds out about it. And from the moment he finds out, everything kind of keeps building and he's getting more and more stressed. I think they do a really good job of, because so much of it is internal in his own head, Mm -hmm. that there's only so much he can do as an actor to convey that stress to us. Mm -hmm. But what makes it 10 times more stressful, in my opinion, is how many people are bidding for his attention from the minute he finds out about their own dumb bullshit that has chatter and noise and people and it's just escalating and escalating and every scene is more crowded than the last yeah and until you get on the boat until you get on the boat and or like even there's like the dinner scene of course there's these moments of silence but in the in the meantime it's a lot of just very crowded scenes Mm -hmm. in a way that like stressed me out and made it a more stressful film than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. And I I liked it. It was very good. It's like the chaos of people. Yeah, yeah. uh, well, and and it's, yeah, it's just like the chaos of a crowd. people. And what what builds the tension wonderfully in Jaws is right from the get-go, there's just this, like, explosion of violence. And then people reacting to it in different ways, mm-hmm. as people do in crises. But you, as the audience, having witnessed Chrissy's attack yes. and some of the aftermath, mm-hmm. you're just like, fuck, man. Right, you Holy know. fuck. You there's know some, That there's something out there, especially the POV shots. Yes. Really give you that sense that there is something out yeah. there. So especially those those beach scenes where little Alex Kintner goes out oh. on his little raft and you hear the splashing in the playing and you're just like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. And then the music kicks yes. in. What I fucking love about, uh, we're going to get a little bit sidetracked here because I yeah. want to bring up the music really quick, is that the way the music initially serves to sort of signify the presence of the shark, especially yeah. that theme, right? Later on, when the shark bursts through the boat, is yeah. another, I would say, not as like big of a jump scare, but it's a little bit of a jump scare. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't have the music to be like, what's up, motherfucker? Right, Here I to am. Like, kind of lead up to it. Exactly. Yeah. And so the, the way that the music is used to set that expectation of the music kind of queuing up the shark's presence and then doing away with it. Right. Just, I think, also adds to that yeah, tension of, like... definitely. You, like, unexpected. Exactly. You're waiting for these signifiers of danger yeah. and then they just... Take it away. Take it away, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I hope you can smell a shark coming. Yeah, exactly. When And like you said earlier, the, the way that the movie plays with sound. Yes. Where there's a lot of noise, a lot of chatter, a lot of mm-hmm. like splashing and just sort of... 
yeah. ambient noise. It's yeah. almost, it can be a little bit overstimulating at Very times. Very close to overstimulating. But yeah. then there's also these moments of just silence. Quiet. Or like just real, real quiet Peaceful. still. Yeah. Too. And it kicks off right at the very beginning with Chrissy's attack. Yeah. Where, you know, like I said, she's screaming. You've got the gurgling. Yeah. And then just. Silence. Calm. Mm-hmm. The way the ocean waves. There's a guy passed out on the beach, and you've got this nice sunrise mm-hmm. in the background, and you're like, out of context, this could be a really peaceful, peaceful moment. Moment, <laughs> but nobody we know has. Better. Yeah, exactly. The fact that this peaceful moment has been preceded by this like horrifying burst of violence, mm-hmm. just really, it's unsettling. I don't know if Gertrude Stein actually said this, or if this was simply from Midnight in Paris, but the quote is that as a writer, it's not your job to succumb to the, like, depression and the futility of existence, but to rise above it and Mm. offer the reader hope. Mm -hmm. And so I think that Steven Spielberg has been so successful because he does that. He offers Mm. this, like, sweetness Mm -hmm. to the most embittered of circumstances and the most hopeless of circumstances, whether it's being stranded on a boat that's sinking while a monster shark is trying to eat you Mm -hmm. or stuck in the middle of a park of dinosaurs that are trying to eat you (laughs) or, you know, any ET where, like, the government is trying to completely take over this situation that Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, inevitably probably kill the alien that Mm -hmm. you found and is your new BFF. Any of these circumstances, you know, he offers these really sometimes whimsical, sometimes practical, sometimes shot in the dark pieces of hope yeah. that like it you will overcome these yeah. tri- trials and you'll you'll succeed mm-hmm. and you will reign victorious. And yeah. I think that's why he's such a fucking classic director and why he nails it every single time. Because instead of finishing and being like, well, we stabbed the shark over and over and over again until it bled out and deflated like a balloon in the water. Mm-hmm. And Quint died, but it wasn't because he was fighting a fight. It was because he was stupid and he tripped mm-hmm. and drowned himself. <laughs> like, you know, those are all such, like, letdowns. Mm-hmm. And so I think this the Steven Spielberg magic that was brought to this story mm-hmm. really speaks to that and yeah. brings so much, like... Not levity, but, like, it bolsters the spirit, yeah, you know, it's, to it's, watch instead of just being like, well, fuck. <laughs> You're it right. Has, it is terrible. It has more faith in the human spirit. Yes, exactly. And, exactly. And it's, I think it's really interesting you mentioned the ending especially because in the book, I forgot to mention this earlier, but Quint's dead. Hooper's dead. Yeah. Brody's just kind of, like, accepted his fate and yeah. hopes it ends really quickly. Shit. And the shark is, like, swimming at him and then it just kind of dies. And it's like, oh my god! Instead of sort of this passive or this this passive acceptance of an inescapable fate, a seemingly yeah. inescapable fate, Spielberg's very much about putting agency in yes. Brody's hands. Absolutely, in the barrel of a gun, you know. Like, so good. <laughs> um, but just that, like, at no point does anyone really like give up. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, and I, I find that really valuable for me mm-hmm. to like continue to like take in in movies and stuff is like, despite knowing that your doom is inevitable in this sinking boat next to like monster soup ocean, like, <laughs> you're like, well, if that doesn't get me something else might, mm-hmm. but I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep yeah. showing up. I'm going to yeah. keep doing my best yeah. because I don't want everyone else to be getting killed yeah. by this shark. Our rating for this? 
on the scary 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 scale the eek scary scale the eek scary scale patent pending (laughs) tm 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 rc (laughs) um i'm going to give it a and i think to be true to our project maybe like how is it scary how's it feel today Mm -hmm. like when you watched it today oh yeah yeah no that's that's a good thing because i was gonna put it a little bit child you were very i was very scared of it yeah today it's Probably closer to, like, out of ten, right? Yeah. It's probably closer to, like, a three. It's still... Some of those underwater sequences still yeah. really get at something, like, very... Primal. Primal, primordial in me that's just, like... Very pre- I'm a predator. I'm, I'm prey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Something of just, like, if I can't see the bottom, I'm yeah. prey. And so that that's still very visceral for me. So some of those underwater... Like, especially right in the beginning when you see Chrissy from underwater. Yeah. I'm like... Yeah. Like, I get nauseous just looking. That said, it's, you know, it's more of a of a thrill ride now yeah, than, yeah. It, than it was when I was... Than a chill ride. Nine, year old, nine years old. And it's just very enjoyable. And especially because it inspired a love of sharks, I can look at the movie and go, ha, that wouldn't happen. Ha, right. that's silly. Kicked ha, off so much dumb. research in your life. Yeah, absolutely. That I can look at this almost 50 year old movie and go um actually (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i love this movie not as scary as it was when i was nine years old so i gotta be honest i don't think it was scary for me i i got a good jump scare Mm -hmm. but like that's gonna happen in any movie anytime where like you feel because there was such a chill energy to like richard dreyfus being in his element Mm. being like yep let's go for a dive this is what i'm always doing i've always done He's in there, he's doing his dive, and then that, like, wax head pops out. <laughs> it got me. And, yeah. like, that, I like that, though. Like, yeah. I like a good jump scare. Yeah. I hate it, but I like it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. So, like, even though there was a good jump scare, the overall film itself, like I said, was just this very, like, kind of, not gaudy, but, like, it was just colorful. It's, it's, it's rich. It's textured. Yeah. It's, it's... It's a B-movie done by Steven Spielberg. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So just really enjoyed it. I think, yeah, on a on a scariness level, I've got to put it at a one, just because like I don't I don't know why I'm just like I've accepted my fate. What a way to go! <laughs> you know, like what a way to go! If I if I have to get eaten by anything, mm-hmm. like do it while you're in the water, like doing yeah. something you love. You're just yeah I don't yeah. Know. It would and be terrible, but it's one of those things that I just like. I'm like, well, if it happens, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> Um, I did want to shout out the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy. Um, they've been doing work kind of up near Cape Cod uh, for a number of years and really trying to do education about Cape Cod's white shark population, which is growing, um, which is very exciting. I love hearing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That makes me so happy. There have been a number of white shark sightings uh, cool. this year that I think cool. it's it's up from past years, which is... Yeah, Atlantic White Shark Conservancy. Um, You can check them out and some of the work that they're doing. Um, In the show notes, we'll also be posting a link to a CNN article that lists a bunch of other um, uh, conservation and research groups. I love that. Um, We'll also be linking a video and podcast episode that I pulled some information from. If you're interested in more behind-the-scenes shenanigans from the making of Jaws. I highly recommend What Went Wrong. They're a great show. And then as always, check out You're Wrong About and You Are Good.
You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at eekpod. Our email is eekthepodcast at gmail.com. Can, uh, I would recommend hitting us up on uh, Instagram or Twitter if you have comments or questions, especially responding to our call for theories about what caused Quint to snap mm-hmm. and sink his own ship uh, <laughs> in just every definable way. Um, <laughs> and if you just, like, want to tell us what's up. And if you can't yeah. find us there... Don't. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. Go yeah. go outside. Go outside. Uh, <laughs> go pet a shark at the local go, zoo. Yeah. Aquarium. Whatever go, you got nearby. Go research some sharks. Awesome. Right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Like slutty swimsuits. <laughs> she brought it on herself. The Cover slut. yourselves up, and then you might not get bitten by sharks. Oh my god, that's my PSA. Poor Chrissy, she just wanted to go swimming. Swimming. <laughs> what was that? That's what she does. Is that what she says? Yes. Swimming. She, the guy's like, that's "Where are we right. going?" She goes, "Swimming." <laughs> that's very nice. <laughs> Oh my oh. god. I'm gonna pour one out for Christy Watkins. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. babe. <laughs> Rip. <laughs>